Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of December 9th, 2019. On the show today, I ride Rise of the Resistance at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Spoiler alert, there are ride spoilers on this show. Let's get started by bringing in the man who points out that the worldwide average number of skeletons in the human body is slightly above 1.0. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? It, it's going well. It, it's, it's interesting you bring up skeletons because I've been listening to the the latest Adventure Zone series that, that the McElroys have launched. And they were just discussing how many bones were in the human body. And it, it got into this bidding situation where one said, well, I know there's at least 100. You know, and it was just sort of like, <laughs> Do I know 200. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, the physicians and, and anatomy people out there going, slapping their foreheads going, uh, 200, 224. There we go. All right, Jim, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, Hillary S., Adam K., and Georgia B., and longtime subscribers, Leah H., Andrew S., and Scott W. True story, Jim. These folks are some of the stormtroopers you see in the Star Cruiser bridge scene on the new Rise of the Resistance ride. Disney put them right up front because they all look smashing in their white uniforms. Also, Jim, I think uh, Scott winked at me to let me know it was him. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure about this whole thing. And who am I to doubt? So, <laughs> All right, Jim, we're talking about Rise of the Resistance today. I wrote it. Uh, but before we get started on, on my experience over the last couple of days, uh, I want to give us some brief background on, uh, on how the ride was conceived and announced. From when Disney bought Lucasfilm back in October of 2012, this was supposedly in the works. We were finally going to get our Star Wars land. And, you know, over various D23s that were held in, you know, the expos that were held in the intermittent years, we, we sort of got breadcrumbed what was coming. And, you know, the, the word of this amazingly ambitious ride was front and center that, you know, you would mm -hmm. never had experienced anything quite like this. But we all kept waiting for news about, well, when is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge going to open? And, and in mm -hmm. March 7th of this year, we found out that Disneyland version will be opening on May 31st. And, you know, the Disney World version will be opening on August 29th, which wasn't exactly a surprise for you and I. We've been following the construction challenges of very wet spring and that sort of thing in Florida. But the surprising part was the announcement that Rise of the Resistance, this ride that had been hyped since the project had been announced, was being held back till phase two. And this is the part, the part of the uh, press release, uh, want to quote, that phase two opening later this year. Uh, will be Rise of the Resistance, the most ambitious, immersive, and advanced attraction ever imagined, which will place guests in the middle of a climatic battle between the First Order and the Resistance and will blur the lines between fantasy and reality. In light of tremendous demand, Disney has made the decision to open the land in phases to allow guests <laughs> to... <laughs> we're we're going to... Let me just pause you there and say... I want to say two things. Mm -hmm. uh, number one, uh, that sentence about being the most ambitious, immersive, and advanced attraction ever imagined, actually true. I give Disney Disney Media Relations credit for being accurate about that. It's an impressive ride. Mm -hmm. What didn't Disney didn't say in this press release, though, is that I think there are three phases for the opening. Phase one was the opening of the land with Millennium Falcon. Phase two is opening uh, Rise of the Resistance. Phase three is actually getting Rise of the Resistance to run as an attraction. And no one's announced a date for that yet. But please continue with what you, with yes. your thing and I'll expand more. No, you're not wrong. You know, in fact... <laughs> oh, I know I'm not wrong. I've been there. I've been on it. Okay. All right. So so again, you know, just to, to face it, there were a lot of us who were like, 
okay, do I want to go and just experience one ride in the land? I mean, when exactly is Rise of the Resistance going to open? And as it turns out, on July 11th of this year, which was six weeks after the Disneyland version of Galaxy's Edge opened, and a full seven weeks before the Walt Disney World of Black Spire Outpost uh, threw open its doors, it was revealed that Rise of the Resistance would open at Disney's Hollywood Studio on December 5th, 2019, while the Anaheim version of this ambitious attraction wouldn't open until January 17th, 2020. Talking with friends at Imagineering, it was like, okay, so why, what's the difference between those two dates? And the answer was, well, January 17th is when we know we can have it up and running. <laughs> Your lips to God's ears, Jim. It's got to be, uh, it's got to be, I thought it was uh, literally this, that, that there's one set of Imagineers that can work on the ride. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get Walt Disney World's versions done, and then it's going to be all hands on deck for Disneyland. We'll see. Evidently, coming out of the reservation center, the number of phone calls from folks who literally were just calling, when is Rise of the Resistance going to be When's open? open? When's open? Yeah, When's open? Because- oh, let's, let's talk about reservations in a minute here, Jim, because I have an experience I'd like to like to share with you. Okay. But uh, you you mentioned uh, Hagrid's Magical Creatures. And, uh, well, that's adventure. the thing. To justify context here, folks, remember, you know, the, in the <laughs> middle, right in the middle of this, between these two dates we talked about, March, uh, March 7, 2019 and July 11, uh, 2019, Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure opened at Universal Islands Adventure on June 13th of this year. I'm doing air quotes around the word opened, Jim, because again, not... <laughs> did, did you put it politely? Had a challenging summer operationally. Yeah, the Titanic had a challenging <laughs> cruise, Jim. <laughs> there, there we go. Okay. Hagrid's, so uh, so uh, our statistician Steve Bloom did an analysis mm-hmm. uh, for a major national newspaper uh, on this about a week ago and came to the conclusion that Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure is the least reliable major ride in any theme park in the United States. Oof. It's it's downtime approach is 50%. It's, there's no Disney ride that even comes close. In, in the history of Disney rides, mm-hmm. like in the last 20, 25 years, no major ride that Disney has opened has come close to being as unreliable as Hagrid's. That said, the people who can get on it mm-hmm. love it. It's a great ride with operational difficulties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, that, so, and let's remember that as we talk about the, the I, operational I, difficulties. That's, I'm just sitting back now, like waiting for the popcorn to pop. It's a, yeah, I don't want to go on a rant here, as uh, Dennis Miller used to say. Okay. All right. So, so let me give you an update about my week. So we're recording this on Friday. Mm-hmm. It's been a little over 24 hours since the, uh, the ride opened. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been on it a few times, even went back today. This morning. Okay. So my week started um, uh, earlier than Thursday. The Thursday opening was the official opening was Thursday, December fifth. But uh, international and domestic press and travel agents were in town earlier uh, on Tuesday. There was uh, uh, the land was reserved. Sorry, the uh, the ride was reserved for international press. Wednesday was domestic press. As you know, Jim, mm-hmm. I don't get invited to media events because I am occasionally critical of the rides in restaurants in Walt Disney World, and that gets you banned mm-hmm. from the uh, the media list pretty quickly. However, I may or may not have got my first ride during one of the press events anyway. Uh, and let me just take this opportunity to say that I categorically deny that I was smuggled into the studios wearing a Stormtrooper outfit in the back of a catering truck, because that would be wrong, Jim. It would be wrong. I mean, it would be beautiful because that's how Luke and Han infiltrated the Star Destroyer in Episode Four, and it would have been both very creative and poetic to do it that way. But Jim, let me just say, I have never been in a catering truck in my life. (laughs) Anyway, uh, thanks very much to the people who did or didn't help me get in. Not that I was ever in because again, it totally didn't happen. Uh, But if it did, I would have really appreciated everything they did. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) So here's another thing, Jim. Mm -hmm. 
I had actually got advance notice of the December 5th opening date mm -hmm. a little bit in advance of the general public. So I had booked a VIP tour mm -hmm. for December 5th back in July. So I had people flying in from all over the country, East Coast, West Coast, a bunch of friends. Uh, I was getting together basically four groups of people um, to come in and ride Rise of the Resistance, figuring that the VIP, VIP tour would get a special access. We wouldn't need to get to the park super early, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So July passes, August passes, September, October, November passes. This past Sunday, four days before the ride opens, I got a call from VIP services saying, you're not going to get access to Rise of the Resistance. Eee. Okay. And, and I, I, I didn't yell at the cast member because the cast member didn't make the decision. Mm -hmm. But I did provide feedback to management on a number of things. Mm -hmm. Number one, they waited until I was within the five-day room-only cancellation window mm -hmm. where I couldn't get my money back for anybody that traveled to, to tell me this. Mm -hmm. Number two, they didn't give a reason for it. It wasn't something lame like, you know, to give every, every guest equal access mm -hmm. to, to the ride, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, a, a couple of the other people who had booked VIP tours that I knew got the same thing. And they actually wrote to executives in Disney. And the, letter, the response that they got back was essentially, look, the ride is just not ready. We can't guarantee anything. Mm -hmm. Which was remarkably forthcoming mm -hmm. for, it to, for Disney to say, right? It, it didn't say it in so many words. It was basically like, we don't want you to, to spend hours of your VIP tour time waiting around mm -hmm. in case the ride breaks down. Right? Something like that. Okay. Which was, again, remarkably honest of Disney. Mm -hmm. They have no, uh, no complaints with that. Mm -hmm. And we ended up still using the VIP tour. By the way, uh, I heard some people who are booked VIP tours were helpfully offered by Disney to have the VIP tour guide wait for them in line so they could go do other things at $650 an hour. Oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I could have found people doing it for half that. I, I, whatever. Yeah, geez. <laughs> okay. I'm available, by the way. I, I know. I, I, you know, like, like 325 wasn't an option. Had to be 650. Throw in a hoagie and I'm there. <laughs> so speaking of hoagies, so, uh, so on Sunday, we, we, we got this. Uh, got, got, I got this call. Mm -hmm. So we had to figure out what we we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And we decided to get there as early as possible, Thursday, December 5th, mm -hmm. um, because we knew the ride hadn't been reliable. Mm -hmm. We knew it uh, on Tuesday we heard that the ride had broken down during uh, the International Press Media Day. Mm -hmm. And on Wednesday's Wednesday night's media event, which started at 7 p.m., the ride broken had broken down by 8 p.m., mm -hmm. and no one else got on. Mm -hmm. So we knew, mm -hmm. right, Thursday morning, our, our hope was that we get there early enough the Imagineers spent all, you know, all night from Wednesday night mm -hmm. you know, to Thursday morning to get the, the ride operating. We get on it first thing Thursday morning and, and then we're done. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So I prepared for this by going to Target and buying a, uh, a two gallon thermos uh, and filling it with hot water because it was going to be 43 mm -hmm. degrees when we were standing out there. Uh, I bought hot chocolate. I bought coffee. I bought tea, mm -hmm. sugar, creamer. I brought snack bars, and I also got, um, you know those thin metal space blankets that they hand out to you after races so to, to keep warm? Yes, yeah. I, I, I bought a bunch of those in case anyone got cold. Mm. Uh, so we were well prepared. Okay. So I got dropped off at the Swan at like 1.45 a.m. on Thursday morning, me and my brother, mm. my brother Mike. And uh, we start walking towards the studios, mm. and there were about 30 people in line already in front of us. So Disney security had stopped them at the uh, along the walkway to the studios mm -hmm. right under the last bridge before you get to the Disney's Hollywood Studios bus stop. Mm -hmm. So the there were and there were no security people there. They basically stopped everyone and said if anyone goes past this point, you're going to get trespassed off. Mm -hmm. However, you can use the bathrooms. So they were super nice about that. Okay. Right? 
And then eventually over time, like I think around three o'clock, they moved us closer to the bus station mm-hmm. around three. And then about 520, 530, mm-hmm. they brought us through security and all the way up to the tap cells. And this is where things started to, <laughs> to break down, mm-hmm. right? First of all, they, the security didn't enforce the line mm-hmm. that had already formed, right? So basically, once you got to the security wow. checkpoint, it was everybody from the, from the cells. Mm-hmm. So we, we ended up, though, pretty close to the front of the tap styles. Uh, and that's where they told us that they were going to use boarding groups, basically a virtual queue. Mm-hmm. So they had pieces of paper to hand out explaining that you had to have a My Disney Experience account. You had to tap in to the park and you had to be physically located in the park to join a boarding group. And this was actually a minor problem for my brother mm-hmm. who doesn't have a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have it. So we, we figured out how to add him on, on MDE. So he was linked to my account so we could, we could all figure, figure things out. So the park opens and immediately there are technical issues. The, the tap styles were basically a lot, just flashing green. If you pull up, like if you put up your magic band, you didn't have to validate with your finger. They were just trying to get people through the, mm-hmm. through the lines. But the problem was you would tap, you'd get a green light and you'd go into the park. But for about half the people in my group of 10, mm-hmm. my Disney experience still didn't recognize us as either in the park as, or as ha- having tapped in. So we were in the park, okay. but MDE didn't think we were in the park. So we couldn't get in a boarding group. Mm-hmm. All right. So now there's like thousands of people in the park. So we had to find a guest relations CM with an iPad to fix it. And, and to, to their credit, to the, the guest experience team's credit, there were hundreds of them all around the park. I mean, it, lots and lots of people. It looked like a, it, they brought everybody out. There okay. were a ton of cast members there mm-hmm. and everyone was super helpful. However, as soon as the cast members started uh, using My Disney Experience on their iPads, their apps crashed as well. Mm-hmm. So now there's a bunch of people in the park. More people are coming into the park. They're all getting in boarding groups. Mm-hmm. We were we got there at 2 o'clock in the morning. We're the first 30 people. Half of us don't have a boarding group yet. Mm-hmm. So the first boarding group number was 10. Mm-hmm. We think there's somewhere around 50 to 100 people in a boarding group. Uh, I ended up, my brother and I ended up in boarding group 28. Mm-hmm. They hold us up just in front of Hyperion Theater where Frozen is. We're talking to the cast members. They try and figure out what's, uh, what's going on with the app. I end up in boarding group 48. Once we're in the boarding group, they help people at the Hyperion Theater. Uh, they walk us back to Millennium Falcon, actually, Smuggler's Run. They, they made this announcement that the line was definitely not for Rise of the Resistance, that the line was for Falcon, and they started marching us back uh, to Falcon. And Jim, they actually told us, take tiny baby steps, no one's running. And we did. We actually, we actually took tiny baby steps from the Hyperion Theater all the way back to Millennium Falcon. And once we got to Falcon, they kind of let us loose, which was, uh, which was fine. So around like 6.15 in the morning, the first group of people got on. I think it was the first two boarding groups announced, like 10 and 11 or 10, 11 and 12. We see them go in and then we waited. And we waited. So apparently one group of people, like one group of like 16 or 32 riders got all the way through the ride before it crashed 15 minutes into opening day. We knew something was wrong when they didn't announce any other boarding groups for like half an hour. And we, I started getting texts from people who were stuck on the ride. So they dumped the entire queue, like every, everybody that was still in line, everybody that hadn't actually boarded a ride vehicle yet got shut down and they handed out fast passes for everyone to re-ride. And the interesting thing was, again, like 6.15, 6.30 in the morning, my boarding group 20H, which was originally showing a morning return time 
had, was now showing a ride of afternoon, which was insane, right? So we're like, you know, after, a, afternoon at this point meant we may not get on for the day, even though we got on it, at, we got up at two o'clock in the morning, right, to be there. So um, we ended up hopping on someone's VIP tour who had extra fast passes from when they got dumped in the queue. And we all rode by like 7, 7.30 in the morning. And after we did that, I got another boarding group, boarding group 152, Jim. Remember that number, 152. It's going to come back later on. Okay. So, uh, but I did get to ride. Let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll talk about the ride and our top tips for getting to experience Rise of the Resistance with minimal weights and hassle. We'll be right back. All right, Jim. So we're, we're back. Let's talk about the Rise of the Resistance ride itself. Let me open by saying this. It is one of the best rides Disney has done in decades. It is massive. It is beautiful. It is complicated. But every scene has a wow moment in it. And I expressed my amazement at several points throughout the ride. The best way to think of Rise of the Resistance is this. It's one ride with four pre-show waiting rooms, kind of like the stretching room in Haunted Mansion. Four of those, right? The first waiting room that you go into is a briefing room with BB-8. And so BB-8 is running around doing stuff. And all of a sudden you see Ray come on as a life-size hologram who basically tells you the plot that you're going to help the resistance. Jim, this is an amazing hologram. There's, again, if, if I went during the press event, and I'm not saying I did, but if I did, there is international media or domestic media somewhere filming with, with film of me walking around the hologram, looking at it because that's how amazing it is. And I, I'm not saying it exists. I'm not saying it doesn't. But if it does exist, there's astonishment on my face because the hologram is that good. Okay? Okay. Once you uh, get the briefing room, you actually go outside to board a transport ship. You, outside, outside. It's, it's that realistic. Um, the, you, you walk outside to the ship because that's how you board them in real life, right? On, in, in the Star Wars universe. And you can see like the, the tr engine turbines turning and lights are flashing as you, as you enter, the, um, as you enter mm -hmm. the transport ship. And you enter in on the left side of the transport ship. And inside the ship, um, there are A figures um, for pilots. There are video screens all around so you can see what you're doing. And you take off and you head for space. And it's really interesting because the, 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 the transport ship vibrates. And it, it feels like it's moving. It's actually like, remember the old hydrolators in the Living Seas? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Exactly like that on a much larger, more detailed scale. It really feels like you're, you're taking off. And by the way, the, uh, the transport ship is another pre-show area. It's another stretching room, right? Okay, okay. While you're on the transport ship, you get captured by a Star Destroyer. You get, um, you get sucked into a tractor beam, right? Mm -hmm. The great thing is the door on the left-hand side of the ship that you entered in opens again. And in come people from the First Order. You're actually on the Star Destroyer yourself. So remember, you came in from outside. And the same door that you came in now opens and you're inside the Star Destroyer. It blew my mind, Jim. <laughs> first thing first thing right there. I mean, the, the, the Ray hologram was incredible. That was like, what are we doing? Right? What, what just happened? I was amazed. Okay. So you're led onto the bridge scene from there. And I think we've all seen this in the photos. And... When I went on the first time, I basically took selfies with the stormtroopers. It's an incredibly large room. It's not quite as large as Disney made it out to be. It's big. I mean, it's a big soundstage. It, you get the feel of being on the bridge. And it, the, to Disney's credit, 
in the background where you see sort of the star field in the open space, there are actually things moving around on the screen there. So you see vehicles going back and forth. It's very, very realistic, very detailed, great moment. Um, and each group of, I think we had 16 people, each group had time, I think 16 or 32, uh, each group had time before the next group came in to walk around and admire everything in there. So Disney wasn't rushing anyone through that, even on opening day, right? The pace of it is fantastic. All of the cast members are in realistic first order uniforms that you will easily recognize from the films. And they're all in character, Jim. All of them are playing it straight. Like you're about to be interrogated by the first order. It is, it's fantastic. The, the cast members make this part of the scene. And this is another uh, pre-show area. So you're led into the hallway. And this is where you start to think like, you, you recognize like all of the scenery here looks like very, very much like what you see in the movies. It is incredible detail. It's better than Millennium Falcon, in ter- even the interior of Millennium Falcon in terms of conveying that what you see in the films is what you're, you are in, in real life. Fantastic, fantastic detail. So once you're in the, uh, once you're on the, the Star Destroyer, you're surrounded by, by cast members, you're taken to a holding cell to await questioning by Kylo Ren. Again, this is another pre-show area like the stretching room. And here we're in a group of 16. And you're assigned colors, which will become important later on. While, and you're in the holding room cell for a while. The, the best analogy I have for this room is, you know, like before you board Flight of Passage in Animal Kingdom, you're, uh, you're, going, you're heading into a chamber where you're like checked for parasites and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Same thing, but uh, Rise of the Resistance. Okay. While you're in the room, Kylo Ren comes in and says, okay, bring everybody up for questioning. We're going to basically, we're, we're going to torture them until they talk. At that minute, the side of one wall melts away and the resistance people jump in and say, we're with the resistance. We're here to, we're here to save you. Come with us. Again, amazing thing. You, the, the, you, you can't see where the, the wall is supposed to give way when you're in the cell. And I checked because somebody had told me to look for it. Did not see the effect coming. It was incredible. So you, uh, you hop into a ride vehicle. The idea is that the resistance has commandeered a couple of ride vehicles with a couple of R2 units to get you to a, uh, an escape pod to get off the ship. And the cast members here are fantastic, right? So you're set up in two rows of four people each in each vehicle, two vehicles. So eight people per vehicle. And then, then the ride itself actually starts. This is the, this is the ride, right? And the, there are uh, pairs of vehicles, two to each, and they they go through the Star Destroyer, basically at, like you see in the movies. And they're weaving in and out. They encounter um, different droids. Like there's a probe droid at one point. There are other R2 units that they're looking at, and they're trying to look. We're trying to find the escape escape pods. And then, like in every classic Disney attraction, something goes wrong. Uh, <laughs> you you end up getting chased. You you enter in. Uh, this giant cavernous room with life-size at-bats. And, and Aaron, you're going to need to censor me here, but every single person I was with when I read this thing multiple times had the same no-way reaction as soon as they did it. There's blaster fire everywhere. It's not quite like what you see in the commercial, but it is damn close. I mean, it is a, a, a jaw-dropping moment to be in that room. It is fantastic. So Kylo Ren chases you through a bunch of scenes. There's tons of pretty realistic looking blaster fire as you're doing it. Um, there's one scene when Kylo is chasing you 
where his lightsaber actually cuts through metal. In it. And remember, we talked about this in a patent back in, it, and we, and I saw it in real life, Jim. I saw it happen. And it was, it was just as amazing as you would think. It was that good. Yeah, really good. So you, you end up, um, face to face with Kylo Ren. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it. Something happens and you escape into the escape pod. There's one more, uh, short, very intense, eh, mildly intense. It's not as bad as Star Tours. Uh, simulator ride with a surprise. Mm-hmm. There's very good graphics. As you're doing all of this, like it's it's spotless. It's very, very good. And then your skate pod lands outside the ride building back with the resistance in the forest. It's overall, it's an amazing ride. I loved it. Five out of five stars. Fantastic, fantastic okay. experience. Wow. That, that's high praise. Uh, best, so. uh, uh, best ride Disney's done in decades. And I want to say this too. Uh, so while I was waiting in line, um, I saw a number listen, a number of Disney Dish listeners uh, and subscribers came up and said, hey, uh, while we were sort of wandering around the land, uh, thank you all for, for doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. Got me through the morning. Also, uh, shout out to our friend Phil, who hung with, mm-hmm. <laughs> who was also a listener, who hung out with us in line at 3 a.m. Uh, and was there for the duration. So that was, uh, it was super fabulous. Best ride Disney's done in a long time. I loved every minute of it. Mm-hmm. Cast members uh, on it were exceptional. Shout out to the Imagineers who who designed it. Uh, it's it's a fantastic ride. Uh, I will caveat with this when it works. Okay, so after the ride, um, I got another boarding group at like I don't know eight thirty in the morning. I was boarding group one hundred and fifty two. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they never we never actually got to ride in boarding group one fifty two. I was there almost until park close. They ended up capping it at boarding group one hundred and twenty. So I'm assuming that. If you were in boarding group 120, you were in the park at 7 a.m. and you didn't, you probably mm-hmm. didn't stick around to ride in, uh, until 10 p.m. Right? You did not spend 15 hours waiting to ride, rise the resistance. So a couple people left. Mm-hmm. My sense is they they probably got somewhere between eight and 10,000 people um, through the ride, which is horrible, horrible mm-hmm. capacity numbers for a headline okay. headliner ride. It's like 850 people an hour, 900 people an hour. Not, which is basically Dumbo, right? It's somewhere between the original Dumbo and like the new two two spinner Dumbo. Um, but to Disney's credit, uh, when they told us we were not going to board on MDE, we got a one day a free one day park hopper that we could reassign to anyone, mm-hmm. uh, and a next day fast pass to ride. Right, so they gave us fast passes for today, Friday, to go back and ride. However, uh, I went back today to ride uh, around ten a.m. And because all of the boarding groups had been given out by like 8.30 this morning on Friday, mm-hmm. um, they originally said we couldn't ride. So the Fast Pass is only good if there's a boarding group, which I didn't understand. I think there's some confusion going on there because once I spoke mm-hmm. to an actual cast member, a cast member that I recognized from standing in line the day before um, was able to ride. So that was cool. Okay. So top tips for, for uh, advice for riding. Uh, the ride is almost certainly not processing 1,000 people per hour right now. Given the mm. scale and complexity of the ride, it could be a month or more before they get everything ironed out. Your only chance to ride with certainty is to get to the park a couple hours before it opens, get on a boarding group as soon as you tap in, and ask a cab member, mm. cast member for help if you can't. And then uh, once your boarding group is called, I'm told the wait shouldn't be more than an hour. Mm. But it's... It's totally worth it. I would make. I did make a special trip to the uh, to the studios just to do it. Uh, I would do it again. Mm-hmm. Fantastic ride. Best thing Disney's done in forever. And so I think it's. I think it's totally worth uh, the hassle that, that we're putting up with right now. I hope the Imagineers get okay. the uh, 
get the issues ironed out. Because when this thing is up and running, the capacity should be somewhere between 1,500, I'm told, and like 2,200 people an hour-ish, mm-hmm. somewhere and, in there. And what's kind of intriguing is, and again, because we're in the States, we didn't hear a whole lot about this, but when Shanghai Disneyland opened in 2016, they had their own Rise of the Resistance uh, that was part of the Caribbean Battle of the Sunken, or Battle for the Sunken Treasure, which, again, you know, hugely ambitious technical ride with a ride system that had never been used before. Lots of projection, lots of effects. You know, it's a, 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 amazing AAs. And they did eventually get it sorted out. But it did, Len, and I just, I, I, I hate to use the M word, but it took months. No, it's, I, I said it would take a month. I would be surprised if it didn't take like three months to get everything, again, to, yeah. to get everything ironed out. It is a massive multi-system, very complicated sort of thing. It is ambitious, right? And and uh, I'm, I'm willing to, I'm not even going to criticize Disney for not having it open, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let me, let me just, I, I will criticize one thing. I will say that Bob mm-hmm. Iger's paycheck probably showed up on time, even if the ride wasn't done on time, right? So there's some mm-hmm. sort of culpability there. But yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. what the Imagineers have produced here is so good that we should mm-hmm. all give them a break for, you know, three more months or whatever it takes to get the rest of the ride running because it is stunning when it's done. If we're having this conversation a year from now, I might change my tune, but for the next mm-hmm. 90 days or whatever, it's fine. Go go do what you need to do. It's a great ride. Really, really good. Okay. That's high praise. And again, from, from a guy who showed up at 1.45 in the morning <laughs> that, that talks about how that ride over delivers that yeah. you, you, you know, that standing in the cold and, you know, and the way they bobbled the assigning the, you know, the group, so to yeah. speak, and you totally know, still it. have you, you know, that positive says a lot about this. Every ride. scene has a, every, every part of the ride has its own little wow moment. And mm-hmm. as jaded as I am about the theme park industry, I was, I was impressed multiple times throughout the ride. I think it's very, very good. So, uh, so congratulations to, uh, to the Imagineers for getting that done. Good job. Okay. Killer. Killer. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Disney dish show today. Please head on over to disneydish.bandcamp.com where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes on next week's show. We're going to have a special interview. Perhaps we'll see. And we're also going to talk about the history of circle vision. That'll be a lot of fun. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams. Who's bebopping with Afro jazz Cora at this weekend's Cherrywood Art Festival in Austin, Texas. Please go into iTunes and rate our show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We'll see you on the next show.